0: This is the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Join the conversation and message Buck on Facebook, Instagram, or email teambuck at iheartmedia.com. He may read it on the show. Team, welcome to the Freedom Hut on this uh, lovely Wednesday. We got the budget battle hitting its uh, final stages here. Could the Biden agenda be shattering on the rock soon of uh, fiscal reality, or are they going to get the socialist grab bag going? We'll talk about it. Plus, generals on Capitol Hill, including Millie, talking about how they told Biden to do the right thing and Biden didn't. But the generals always know, even though they look like a bunch of idiots right now. And then should parents have any say over what their kids learn in school? Terry McAuliffe says no down in Virginia. We've got that for you. All of that uh, coming up. Let's let's start today, if we can, with the budget bill and what's going on there because if this doesn't happen let's just understand the stakes for a moment here Biden administration has accomplished what this year what has gone well what is the thing that they could point to and say you know what we've really got this we've really got this one covered we did a great job the 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 border is there's no mean tweets that's actually, I think, if they were forced, producer Mike knows, if they were forced to come up with something, it would be that you don't have someone calling the journalists fake news, which I miss. Some people hated the Trump tweets. I actually thought the Trump tweets were pretty fantastic most of the time. Uh, occasionally he went a little, but, you know, if you're if you're with a brawler, he's going to once in a while throw a punch in, you know, hit the barkeep, what he means to hit the... Uh, the biker, you know, it's it's just not easy. It's not easy to get it right all the time. I don't get it right all the time. But what's gone well for the Biden administration? Really nothing. And this is reflected. I mean, I'm not just saying this because I feel this way. There's actual data here. Biden began with a 61% approval rating among independents, according to Gallup. Not rightwingcrazy.com. According to Gallup, it's been eight months. Now his approval rating with independents is 37 percent oh man i can just i can almost smell i can almost taste that midterm that midterm shellacking that the democrats are going to get if this continues it's going to be amazing it's going to be great but I, we can't get ahead of ourselves a year is well a years a long time not just in politics in general a lot can change in a year just think back to what your life was like the fall of 2019 versus what it feels like life has been in the last two years I feel like I don't even remember the last two years. It feels like, what what's even happened? I mean, it's just been one long. It's been one long Fauci lecture. Got to wear your mask. Got to social distance. More vaccines. A few more. A little more vaccine. A booster. A booster. And this, I go to sleep at night and like I'm having nightmares about getting another another Fauci lecture. Um, but okay, here's where we are with the. By an agenda. If it doesn't get through reconciliation, if Democrats don't manage to just spend money, uh, I always feel like, why do we got to say drunken sailors? You know, I've I've known some sailors; they can handle their liquor. Why is it the sailors always get picked on for being drunk? That doesn't seem fair to me. It Doesn't seem fair to me. But you know, spend money like a, like a drunken schlub intelligence officer. How about that? I've seen those guys wasted and spending a lot of money too. So here we go. We have an infrastructure package that is tied uh, because of Democrats strategy here. They're trying to tie all this together with the three point five trillion. So remember, it's one trillion infrastructure, three point five trillion of whatever Democrats want to spend money on. So we're getting close to, you know, four and a half gonna be five trillion, I'm sure, when all said and done, when you add all the bells and whistles into it. And this is a problem. People understand the economy right now is not what it should be. It's not going where it should be. But this is why you don't want to listen to a geriatric socialist about what to do with strategy. And here is the burn, the Bernie Sanders, who owns three houses and is worth several million dollars himself. Here he is saying uh, that House Democrats should vote against infrastructure because they got to get everything or they get nothing my fear is that if the dual agreement that was reached is broken and we just passed the infrastructure bill the leverage that we have here in the senate to pass the reconciliation bill will be largely gone and i think the one hope we have is to say look if you guys want to pass the infrastructure bill i want to pass it you want to pass that you're going to have to deal with infra- you're going to have to deal with reconciliation you can't just keep slow walking this thing this is bernie saying You've got to take a hostage here, and the hostage is the infrastructure bill. Put a sock in its mouth and lock it in the closet. That's what he's saying. He's, you you got to make sure that you use the leverage you have here to get the massive spending package for Democrats, because the American people don't really want that. The far left of the Democrat Party does. Centrists, moderates, independents, they don't want the three-plus trillion dollars of spending— with all kinds of nonsense thrown in there. Also, there's just something so obviously dishonest about how this is being rolled out. If there's such great stuff in the $3.5 trillion, why don't they tell us what it is? It's always things like investments in the future. What does that mean? What, what is an investment? Well, it means spending money and taxing you for it. Look at the ways they're trying to sell this thing. Always know that when people are lying to you a little bit, they're probably going to lie to you more when you press them for answers. Right. Once someone you find the lie and then you drill down, you find more lies. Saying that this is going to cost zero. I mean, this this is absurd. Right. This is absurd. But they're trying to come up with some kind of a narrative here Um, and. Here you go. Here's Saki, though, telling you, Jen Saki, the White House that infrastructure and reconcil- reconciliation are not tied together. The president is committed to getting both pieces of legislation passed and across the finish line, as is Speaker Pelosi, as is Leader Schumer. We are working in lockstep to get both of those pieces of legislation done. Uh, One is absolutely not being dropped. Anyone who thinks that that's not true or accurate. We certainly trust the speaker. We trust uh, Leader uh, Leader Schumer. And we're obviously the president is playing his role on getting these pieces across the finish line. That's just not. What's going on here? They're obviously tying them together. They're saying they're not because they are. They're telling you the opposite of what is true because the truth is a disadvantage to what they want. That's all you really have to know. I I hope that cinema and Manchin hold the line here and say no because it's reckless. It's reckless for the Congress at this point in time with so much spending that's already happened to spend so much more money. This puts a lot of pressure on the economy. This puts a lot of pressure on people who rely on wages and have to pay rent. The asset-owning class, you know, the, the rich people, the the Democrat donors, the Democrat polit- former politicians who get Netflix deals and millions of dollars for books and speeches, it that, that doesn't matter to them. Inflation isn't something that's going to really eat away at their wealth or change their lives at all. If you're making 40, 50K a year, Inflation really hurts. It hurts. And it's a a tax via monetary policy on average Americans. People that don't have assets that will be inflated. You know, if you own half a million dollars of Apple stock or Alphabet, which owns Google stock, you know, your your stock prices will probably continue to go up. You'll continue to get dividends. So you'll be fine. Right. You can keep up with the inflation. But for everybody else, it's a. Problem. I mean, here's Representative Jason Smith in Missouri saying it's going to make inflation worse because it obviously will. This $4.3 trillion spending bill is the largest spending bill to ever be brought up in Congress. It is the largest tax increase bill ever brought up in Congress. We are facing the highest inflation that we have since 1981. This will only fuel the fire of inflation. This bill breaks the president's tax pledge that you will not raise taxes on people making less than four hundred thousand dollars, and this rewards their political friends, allies, and donors. Their wealthy environmentalists. Yep, this is exactly what's going on. But Democrats know it's it's really now or never for them. Right? If they can't get this thing through. What do they point to as the Biden administration's accomplishments? Remember years ago when it was actually not I don't think it was Jen Psaki. I think it was the other spokes uh, spokesperson of the State Department was asked about Hillary Clinton's accomplishments under the Obama administration. And there was this hilarious silence because as secretary of state Hillary Clinton just was going on a taxpayer funded extended uh, vacation via private jet courtesy of the taxpayer. And didn't actually accomplish anything. I mean, other than you could look at the disasters of things like Benghazi, the disaster of Syria, the disasters of the Obama foreign policy in general. But I digress. So, Afghanistan, you got generals testifying. Here's what everyone's focused on. Biden said, oh, the generals didn't tell me that we had to leave 2,500 troops behind in Afghanistan. This is the big big beef. Uh, I've got to tell you, Um, that for me, I mean, Joe Biden, it's tough to know what he forgets, what he says. I I honestly think and this isn't an excuse, it's actually really unsettling. I honestly think we have a commander in chief who is quite forgetful because he is in the early stages of clear cognitive decline. So, yeah, could he forget if the generals had sense? I'm, I'm sure he could. Is that an excuse? No, it's an explanation. But beyond that, I mean, the, the part of this that I think is really capturing a lot of people's attention, at least those who care enough to pay attention uh, about what's going on in Afghanistan is, OK, why is it that nobody is being held to account for what happened in a meaningful way in the leadership cadre? As others have been asking, why didn't a single member of the senior military brass stand up and say, if you abandon Bagram, if you abandon Bagram, I'm going to resign. I, I cannot abide that level of foolish and incoherent strategic decision making from the Biden administration. And so, out of love of my country and res, uh, respect for the position that I hold in the United States military, I resign, right? Why not? No one did that. Interesting. Here's the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin. Um, I remember when I, I remember when I briefed this guy in Afghanistan a long, I'm sorry, not in Afghanistan, in Iraq a long time ago, I was briefing a different general in Afghanistan, different generals. Uh, I remember thinking, I was like, this guy, I think he's gonna, I know it's easy to say now, but I did think, I was like, I feel like this guy's going to end up at the upper echelon of American politics at some point. Uh, he was, he was a savvy operator in the political sense. But here he is on uh, Afghanistan. Now, I know that members of this committee will have questions on many things, such as why we turned over Bagram Airfield and how real is our over the horizon capability? And why didn't we start evacuation sooner? And why didn't we stay longer to get more people out? So let me take each in turn. Retaining Bagram would have required putting as many as 5000 U.S. troops in harm's way just to operate and defend it. And it would have contributed, contributed little to the mission that we've been assigned. And that was to protect and defend the embassy, which was some 30 miles away. The distance from Kabul also rendered Bagram of little value in the evacuation. The staying at Bagram, even for counterterrorism purposes, meant staying at war in Afghanistan, something that the president made clear that he would not do. Oh, OK. So everybody, every operator that I've spoken to, every person who is, A, you know, a door kicking ground pounder who understands the combat realities of Afghanistan after having spent, in some cases, years of their lives in and out of Bagram. They don't know what they're talking about. Oh, this is a very convenient narrative, isn't it? Oh, if we'd stayed in Bagram, it would have meant the continuation of war. Really? Really? Hmm. How long? See, notice that what they're pretending is that Staying in Bagram forever was the decision. No, the point was, if you had two air bases from which to exfiltrate your people, you were in a much better position. And Bagram was a better airfield to use for those purposes than what you had in Afghanistan. They're trying to convince you that they made all the right decisions. Now you see this now that we are a little further from the debacle. This is the gaslighting that they do. They're saying, oh, no, we did a great job. We knew exactly this was better than the Berlin airlift. We got it all figured out, doing a fantastic job with all this stuff. I don't think so. That's not going to fly. Um, The other part of this, though, that is is going to be something that is debated a lot is would the U.S. have had to go to war with the Taliban? U.S. soldiers go to war with the Taliban again if the deadlines were not adhered to from the Trump administration? That's what they're arguing now. Why didn't they tell the American people at the time if that was the case, though? I think we all know why, because they're lying about all kinds of stuff. But and then there's General Milley, who wants you to think that what he did was great on that phone call with the Chinese. I've got some very straightforward analysis on that. The Chinese were worried about an attack on them by the United States. I know I am certain that President Trump did not intend to attack the Chinese. And it is my directed responsibility and it was my directed responsibility by the Secretary to convey that intent to the Chinese. My task at that time was to de escalate. My message again was consistent stay calm, steady, and de escalate. We are not going to attack you. Hmm. Let's just assume that what he's saying here at, at some level is, is true on the facts. I just would wonder. Approach the analysis from this perspective for a second. Why was it such a big story? Why was it in the Woodward book at all if there was nothing extraordinary about this? What they want to tell you is totally normal, nothing to see here. Hmm. Is that plausible under the circumstances? Totally normal, nothing to see here? Is that a, is that a believable situation under this? I, I, I got to tell you, Seems like asking a lot. Seems like asking a lot, in my opinion, to have people believe that. But yeah, you, know, you never know. You never know. People feel like they can get away with a lot these days. I didn't mention this at the top. I wanted to say it though for a moment. YouTube is now on the warpath against vaccine skeptic accounts. Uh, that's what there's, or you know, vaccine questioning misinformation. This just goes to show you how strong and widespread the totalitarian impulse is. Among the digerati Democrats, the people who control the portals of digital information online, they want to be in positions to ban information, even if they're banning information that turns out to be true. They don't care. It is not about what is correct or true. It is about power. And so they have to wield this power in order to have it right. If you never censor opposing points of view, what's the point of having that authority? You're not enjoying that power. People want to utilize their ability to dictate to others. Liberals, leftists, that authoritarian impulse, they, they want to uh, scratch that itch. And certainly that's what they want to do over at YouTube. I know people at YouTube and I know people at Twitter. I have friends at uh, both companies who obviously can never speak to me publicly about it and I can never name them. But the degree of wokeness in those mega corporations now YouTube, of course, owned by Google and by alphabet. But you know what I mean? The degree of wokeness in these places, if people really knew about it, is mind blowing. It's it's like they've just brainwashed all these millennials and some Gen X, you know, upper management into believing that really the most important books you can read are white fragility and, you know, books on male feminism and whatever. They actually believe this crap. I mean, it it used to be that we felt some people in corporate America went along with this for short-term gain or because they were scared. It's actually changed now. The people who are working at and even running these companies aren't afraid of not being woke enough because the woke will come for them. Now they actually are afraid that they won't be considered woke enough among their peers because they want to be at the very forefront of that they want to be considered among the elite of the elite they're true believers and that's why youtube has no problem now banning information about vaccines let's be clear if you had said three or four months ago based on the israeli data i don't think these vaccines last very long i think they're wrong about the percentage of protection and i think we're going to need boosters or they're going to mandate i should say boosters very soon that would have been considered false and YouTube would have banned you. And what they're really saying now is, oh, even though that's clearly the case, we will continue to ban people from our platform for what we think is wrong analysis. Often these aren't even matters of fact. They're matters of opinion. They don't care. They simply don't care. They to continue to do it. You know, United Airlines has fired a bunch of employees now. United Airlines has fired hundreds of people because they haven't gotten the shot. And to this, I just want to say, what are the chances that somebody who was working... I mean, especially if you're an airline attendant, that you were not exposed to COVID already at this point, if you've been flying. I mean, the chances, I think, are basically zero. Um, But they won't make allowances for natural immunity. Why? Any company, any policy that does not have an allowance for natural immunity is not rooted in science. And I'm not even... Going to the next level, which is there shouldn't be mandates anyway, which is also true. But if there are mandates and they don't even have an exception for natural immunity for the presence of antibodies, it is not accurate for them to claim that this is about the science that they like to say. Matt Walsh is over the Daily Wire and he showed up at the at a Loudoun County school board meeting. Uh, It's been pretty funny. Apparently, Matt has some kind of a lease or something, so he's able to. Claim residency in Virginia so he can go speak at Loudoun County. And uh, they only gave him a minute to speak. And uh, here is Loudoun County has been at the very forefront of not just critical race theory battles, but also just general school curriculum issues. And it should it should be noted that uh, in a debate between Glenn Youngkin and Terry McAuliffe recently for the governor's race in Virginia, Glenn Glenn or Terry McAuliffe rather said, that it's essentially outrageous for parents to think that they should tell the schools what they're teaching their kids. And it was such a moment of unintentional honesty, because that's really what Democrats believe. You should have no say in what your kids are taught in school if they want to teach your eight year old that, you know, uh, as part of the trans agenda, self mutilation and castration via chemical cocktail before puberty is something to be celebrated then you better not say anything about that, parents. This is what Democrats believe. This is what they think. I'm. I'm. That's not even an exaggeration. They really do believe that. That's all true. They want to teach that stuff in schools? Too bad, parents. Yeah, no, it's not just the parents don't want school choice. They don't want choice for your kids at all. They think that your children really belong to the state, not you as the family, as the family unit. And this goes back to all kinds of Marxist theory as well. If you really want to control people, if you want to have them be... The uh, the automatons at the beck and call of the state. You have to break down those bonds of the family. You also have to break down the separation of genders. Gee, what does that sound like? But here is, as I mentioned, Matt Walsh from the Daily Wire. He only got a minute, They only allowed him a minute to speak, but uh, good work from him. He lit it up here. I would thank you all for allowing me to speak to you tonight, but you tried not to allow it, yet here I am. Now you only give us 60 seconds, so let me get to the point. You are all child abusers. You prey upon impressionable children and indoctrinate them into your insane ideological cult, a cult which holds many fanatical views, but none so deranged as the idea that boys are girls and girls are boys. By imposing this vile nonsense on students to the point even of forcing young girls to share locker rooms with boys, you deprive these kids of safety and privacy and something more fundamental too, which is truth. If education is not grounded in truth, then it is worthless. Worse, it is poison. You are poison. You are predators. I can see why you try to stop us from speaking. You know that your ideas are indefensible. You silence the opposing side because you have no argument. You can only hide under your beds like pathetic little gutless cowards hoping we shut up and go away. But we won't. I promise you that. Thank you for your time, and I'll talk to you again very, very soon. Well done in 60 seconds they need to hear these things they don't want to everyone needs to hear it and particularly the people who are engaged in the leftist indoctrination of children remember that the left needs the teachers unions for donations and political power but also they know that unless they are try unless they are able to mold young minds toward moral relativism and marxism at a very early stage the future of this country will not belong to the ideology of the anti-God leftist collectivism they know that at some level they understand that which is why it's so important for in their minds for them to continue to have unchallenged control of kids in schools and to brainwash them as much as possible i mean you may have seen it was pretty pretty funny there's a uh, there's some stats out about the incoming class to harvard and how not diverse at all it is on uh, an ideological level, you've got Harvard's freshman class, 87% voted for Biden, 62% are virgins, 40% have had alcohol, and only 24% are religious. So we have like a bunch of leftist secular eunuchs who don't know how to have fun dominating Harvard that's what you can take away from this. And I promise you a, a lot of the uh, any guy who describes himself as a male feminist is either lying or suffers from a an actual lack of testosterone. But they exist. And they go to Harvard, they go to a lot of these places because they're playing the system and that's really what these schools are. It's just a question of can you fit into the necessary boxes to get pushed along and have everyone pretend that there's something impressive about the individuals who go to these glorified, overpriced credentialing programs, whether it's the Ivy League or where I went to school, Amherst, or any of these places. Glorified, overpriced credentialing programs, friends. That's what they are. You don't learn anything there, that's for sure. That's it for today's Buck Sexton Show. Thank you so much for being here. If you have not already, please subscribe, bucksexton.locals.com. And uh, also, if you're listening to this, make sure you're following me on Instagram, at Buck Sexton. Going to be stepping up the social media game, including this weekend when I'm down in uh, Alabama for the big football game. Talk to you soon, team. Shields high.